All right. Five minutes is really long when you're standing there watching it. But the five minutes is what allows everyone to get on board and know that we're streaming and all that. So uh, welcome to Birdland tonight. As these are our these are kind of test shows as we build up and get ready for opening day. But there's lots of Oriole news to talk. So we've got a great mix of people. So instead of me going through and introducing you all, let's uh, let's just introduce each other. So let's just go uh, to my left with Andrew. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm Andrew, Andrew Stedka, at Stetka on Twitter. Uh, and it's awesome to be here. Uh, I'm happy that Josh has kind of set this up for us to come and talk Orioles and kind of serve as a place for people to go after games, uh, you know, which people may not have the option to do now because of uh, everything going on with Masson. So uh, you can find some of my writing uh, occasionally at utahstreetreport.com. And other than that, I'm just uh, happy to be here tonight and, and chat some Orioles and some baseball. All right. And below, Andrew, we've got Bob. Yeah, this is a really cool idea. Thanks for setting it up, Josh. But uh, I'm Bob Fallon at The Oriole Report on Twitter. I write for Baltimore Sports and Life, and I'm a co-host for the On the Verge podcast about the Orioles minor league system with my co-hosts, uh, Zach Spedden and Nick Stevens. All right. And minor leagues are going to be important this season. So I'm glad we got you here. And it's very important for this season to get ready for that. And next to you, we've got Matt and below me. Oh, hello. Name's Matt, co-host Section 336. Good job, Matt. Thank you. You made it through the introductions. I thought I nailed that. Yeah, I nailed that. So we'll see. That five minutes is a long time. It's way too long. I feel like uh, it's like the pace of play. We've got to pick up the pace of play in uh, podcasting as well. Well, we're gonna we're gonna discuss some pace of play stuff and uh, with baseball because baseball did make some rule changes or they chose some rules from last year and continued them into this year. So why don't we start there with the pace of play? So the way baseball is going to fix it, we got to see it last year with the runner starting on second base in extra innings. Did you guys like it? Dislike it? What are your thoughts after seeing it work out? Can I just ask a quick question about this? Yeah. The and I'm not used to this is four co-hosts, which is uh, going to throw me off a little bit. So I, I got to keep it quick. Keep it quick, Matt. But is this like? Are we still under? new like covid rules let's get through another season covid and we'll talk about the rules later or is this more like a permanent thing it's now a second guy on second base next innings like is this just a year thing or is this going to be the new norm it's a it's a year thing but when you do it two years and then you go into labor negotiations it's probably the new norm there's there's going to be a lot of these types of things that i think do stick around and this i think might be one of them i don't know for sure that like the the double header thing, which we'll talk about, I'm sure is going to stick around, but I think this second base in extra innings rule is going to stick around. And to answer your original question, Josh, like I'm someone who has typically been a traditionalist and not like to see all this messing around and going into last year, I was very against this thing. And I totally flipped after seeing it because it really did just add a different element of strategy to the game, which is, frankly something that we've been missing from the game for it's everything is walks home runs strikeouts there's less and less strategy involved in the game of baseball these days and this at least gives you a taste of some strategy it 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 it, you know has you play has managers playing mind games and what are they going to do are they going to bunt the guy over to third base and try to get the runner at third with less than two out or you know are we just swinging away still and and that's that was fun to me it was a cool element to it yeah i don't know if it added anything new to the table or if it was just something different, but I, I enjoyed it as well. It at least, you know, you weren't playing for that double single 
go for the home run. There was a runner on second, like we saw Cedric Mullins, where he stole third and then scored on a sacrifice fly, something like that. So, yeah, that's something new to the table. I'm, 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 I'm a fan of it. Are you against it, Matt? No, I, I, I mean, we've talked about this before, but I'm always – like I look at other, other sports, like basketball sticks out in my mind, even the NFL – how every offseason they're talking about new rules, right, to improve the game. And I feel like baseball has been a little bit slower to innovate because, you know, uh, we are – baseball is obsessed with tradition. But I love in, in, in innovation. So even if things – so I don't know how I feel. I really don't know how I feel. But I, I like the idea that baseball is kind of trying these new ideas out and trying new new things. Yeah, and I, I – I like it a lot, actually. And I think I went into the season not liking it because being the more traditionalist, wanting baseball to stay. But suddenly it made extra innings immediately exciting instead you, of a dragging you, on part. Do you guys like it for the long term, though? Or do you like it for, you know, this, like the small taste that we got it last year? And obviously it's, it's going to be a thing for this season as well, whatever this season ends up being. I say uh, just go with it. And if it stops working, then take it away. I mean, there was something with the NFL where people were talking with the overtime rules, right? Where it was, they thought, oh, it's not like real football when just the first team scores. So, so then they added that you couldn't win on a field goal. You had to score a touchdown with your first possession. And I feel a little bit of that with, with the extra inning rule where it, it almost becomes like the old NFL rules where it cheapens kind of, that's not really how baseball works. You really don't start with a guy on second. You have to get the guy all the way around the bases. And so, and I think there's something fun about the 15, 16, 17 inning games that you get occasionally, which we're going to see less of with the guy on second base. But the, but the way it's different from the NFL thing, at least both teams get the same advantages. Like in the NFL thing, the old the old overtime rule, one team may not get the ball. At That's least true. in this at least in this scenario, both teams are getting that runner on second base. It's not like one of the teams gets that advantage. It's the same playing field and it's the same advantage mm-hmm. that they're that both of the offenses are getting. Right, they they just it's not like they changed the rule to it's a home run derby now to win the right. game. They it's just it skips that part of of a little bit of small ball to get a guy on base and it's jumps right to that which puts pressure on your bullpen, your coaching, your managing which yeah, I, just changed the game, but it only changes the game if you couldn't win in 9 innings. Yeah, and I maybe a better comparison is college football, right, where both teams get the ball on the 30-yard line or whatever. Um um, but I, I agree. I, I agree with Andrew with the idea of strategy, which is, um, more strategy in baseball. I think is a good thing. So from from that standpoint, yeah, I like it. I will right, say, now, as an Orioles fan, I don't care if it's the old rule or the new rule. I'm going to watch no matter what. But if I'm just watching a random baseball game on TV, I want the runner on second so it doesn't drag yeah. on. Right. Well, and, oh. and the last point I'll make that Matt 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 said, you know, like you don't mind seeing the 16, 17 inning games from time to time. The other the other element to that is you're trying to look out for players and and bullpens and pitching arms and not only that but like from from the aspect of trying to draw in some younger fans younger fans don't want to sit around for four or five hour games they want their games played in two and a half three hours max and if baseball is trying to draw in a younger crowd this can only help with that yeah but I don't know how much I buy this effect and this i don't think the speed of the game affects a younger crowd i i mean football is four hours long yeah no that's i mean you're you're right about that but at the same time like if you're gonna 
you know, and I, I to 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 that point, I also don't know how much baseball really truly cares about bringing in a younger crowd. I know they say that a lot, but I mean, in in the grand scheme of things, getting more runs on the board and more action in, in extra innings rather than just you know ground out, strike out, strike out every half inning. Um, it will at least get get things moving a little faster. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yeah. And it it brings that pressure in the extra innings for you when you get the notification on your phone that some random game's in the 10th inning, you know that it's an exciting moment. Right. All right, now. Hey, Josh, before we get to the next topic, yeah. I just want to give you a shout-out in that, like, uh, I was planning on hopping on here and being in bed by 9.30, but we're on our first topic, and we're already at 9.15, just on topic one. Well, you forgot so about the five-minute video. this discussion <laughs> about a five-minute video. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. So, um, all right, but I want to st- stay with these rule changes for a moment because when you speak about changing the games and rules not wanting to change the games, I think the seventh inning doubleheader rule changes the game more than anything. And I hate that because of it. It changes a lot of strategy. I, I mean, I go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead, Bob. Well, I was just going to say I don't mind it for the COVID-related stuff uh, for last season and this season, but I don't want this to be a permanent fixture. You know, go back to the nine-inning doubleheaders once we're through this pandemic for sure. Yeah, I How fully does... agree with Bob. Like, like don't don't make this a permanent thing. But for now. Totally understandable. If they want to be able to, you know, have teams traveling less on like like for a one game full, you know, full makeup day or whatever, and and want to try to play more double headers, but do it in a you know condensed way, just because of the COVID pandemic that is still going on, and you know, let's be honest with ourselves, likely will still be going on throughout the rest of this year to some extent. Um, even though there are, there are things things are appearing to look better with vaccinations mm-hmm. and, su- and Andrew's stuff. bringing politics into it. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously things are are progressively this year going to get better, but it's going to be la- this thing's going to last throughout the season. So make that a thing for this season. But beyond that, I totally agree, Bob. Don't don't give me seven inning double headers from here on out. How how does the seven inning double header help with a COVID year? Is it because of less travel? Because there's no planned double headers. It's still a normal season schedule. Well, what it's going to allow them to do is it's going to allow them to schedule, like if there are rain dates, it will allow them to say, instead of having this team come back later in the year for one game to make up and, and add that travel to the schedule, it'll allow them to say, let's just play two tomorrow. And it's easier to play two seven inning games than it is to play two nine inning games. Like just from right. a, from a time standpoint, from a, you know, like, like we were talking about now you're going 14, and everything 14 else. instead of 18. Right, yeah, exactly. Sure. And I wonder if you're using less bullpen arms so you don't need to make as many transactions, have uh, people flying all over town. Right. But then doesn't this give if you have a if you have a great bullpen, if you think of like the Yankees of old that used to shut the game down by the sixth inning, you go into a seven inning game, they're shutting the game down at the second inning. Yeah, that's why I don't make it permanent. <laughs> you got any thoughts, Matt? No. I also go to bed. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I agree with everybody else. I'm a fan of double headers in general. I think baseball should have more du- double headers, but the seven inning double header, I understand why they're doing it. Go for it and do it this year so you can make up games more easily. But yeah, long term, I'm with everybody else. All right. Sticking with this global baseball rules, real quick, they, they announced the rosters pulled back to 26, man. Um, to me, I see that as a big, good sign that they expect minor leagues to run as normal. Is that what you guys take from that as well? or Hopefully. I mean, I know they're going to delay, I think, AA down to a month or so. By the end of May, they're going to get started. So AAA will start in April, and then 
hopefully spacing it out that way will it allow it to go as normal relatively. What's, what, what's the deal with the uh, five-player taxi squad? So what's the deal with those guys? Are they playing in the minor league games and they can just call them? Like, how no. does that work? Are they just they go to the hotel. Five, five special guys in the hotel? This yeah. is yeah, similar to what they did. Yeah, this is similar to what they did last season when, huh. you know, really in the midst of the pandemic, like they wanted to have a couple of extra guys in case something happens in terms of, uh, you know, contact tracing or an exposure of some kind. You've got somebody there to hopefully replace someone else um, that, that has been, you know, away from the team enough, but is on call, basically on call. Right. Remember, most teams don't have the advantage that the Orioles have of so many close minor league teams. So it's, again, a travel thing. All right. Well, and but the other thing, too, with the, 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 the roster size, like you mentioned, the 26 number is what we were supposed to have even before, you know, COVID-19 was, was known of. So like right. that was what they were supposed to go into next year. So the fact that they are keeping that around is a good thing. And frankly, it just means you know, compared to what we used to have with a 25 man roster, it means 30 more, more major league jobs, which I think is a good thing. And and it's something that will satisfy the players union more than anything. And, and that will mostly turn into an extra pitcher in the bullpen, right? Is, you or, would think so. Most likely, think, yeah. You would think so. But I think there's some teams that could utilize it as a, as an extra bat off the bench, especially national league teams. If, you know, be, being that well, I'm sure we're going to talk about eventually no, like no universal DH, which is a weird bit. Well, it's a weird bit that they're not doing the universal DH, okay? Though some many will say once they make that flip to universal DH, that will be a weird flip. Well, but, but they did it last year, so that's why it was surprising to me to see that they were not going to turn around and right. do it again this year. That's why I say it's a weird bit. Well, because you're they're, trying that they're, that they're going back and forth like that, right? Because they're trying to balance: is this a COVID year or not a COVID year? We're playing a full 162 games, but we also want to be careful with this other stuff. I think they're trying to balance both. I think they're holding it for leverage, and I think it's going to end up being a DH in the NL once opening day comes around. I think they're going to hold but, it to try to get 12 or 14 playoff teams. But who's holding it? The owners. I think. Owners don't want to give it yeah. up. Okay. I also gotcha. am not 100% sure. We're, I'm still not completely convinced we're playing 162, but I do think it's going to be 150 or more. I think we're going to start April 1st with the plan for 162, and we'll see what happens. Um, but I think I have a hard time saying we won't hit that when we just saw the NFL get their full season in. All right. Um, all right. And then one more global thing before we focus on a little Orioles is they did announce that they're going to deaden the ball this year. And this is, this is after saying for years that they did not juice the ball. <laughs> so suddenly we have to deaden the non-juiced ball. <laughs> yeah. How come they don't just take the juice out? <laughs> there was no juice. <laughs> oh, that's why. Okay. No. Any yeah, any thoughts? Yeah, my thought is um watching the Orioles play in the AL East. I'm all for it. If you want to throw a bean bag out there and play with a bean bag, any form of getting the ball, I think it's good for Orioles pitching in the AL East at Camden Yards. So yeah, I'm all about it. Deaden that baseball. Yeah, the only like- downside it would be uh I think Chris Davis' comeback is officially gone. <laughs> <laughs> It feels uh, like Orioles pitchers have been throwing tennis balls rather than yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, John Means, the only thing he did wrong last year was give up home runs, so I'm sure he's happy about this news. Yeah, it's certainly good for, for a team like the Orioles, especially because of the park that they play in. The ball flies out of there. I mean, it's good for teams like that, um, 
but I mean, other teams, it's not, you know, it's going to kind of level the playing field for, for other teams who are playing in bigger parks who have really good pitching staffs. So, I mean, I, I live out here in Arizona and they, they, they use the humidifier for the last few seasons, or this, I should say the dehumidifier for, on the baseball, just like they do in Colorado out here because the elevation change, it's a similar kind of concept. They're just trying to even things out and level the playing field, it seems, but this is certainly, you know, not bad news for the Orioles whatsoever. I just wonder if it's going to have offense collapse completely with all the everything server line on home runs. If you take them away, then what happens? Right. And when you were just, we were just talking about how more offense is exciting for the younger generation. And now we're like, oh, let's pull it back and have less home runs. Yet we came from juicing the ball for more home runs, steroids for more home runs. Now it's, let's back it off. It's a little weird and um, some mixed messages. Well, it's also, it'll make. It'll yeah, make go. all the old it'll make all the old guys happy when there's fewer home runs and there's more doubles and more stealing bases and more of those kinds of things that we used to see in the game 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, I would be okay with more doubles and triples and and that and that kind of, kind of stuff. And the other thing that makes this weird is just the transparency with this versus I don't know, like baseball choosing us, like choosing when to tell us about what they're doing to the baseballs and not is weird to me too. And That's a really exactly good point. What science is it like? How do they yeah. know they're betting at five percent or whatever? Well, know? they don't until it goes out there. They can do all these studies and tests. I mean, part of it is when you talk uh, transparency. Remember, they bought the ball manufacturer years ago to make their own balls. So there's really no no transparency. Even they don't even care about any transparency. They're, they grab the mud to... from a secret place in Delaware. It's all secrets. They're going to go to dead in the ball and realize, oh, crap, it was juice the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's bring, uh, let's bring Jimmy into this, who just hopped on. And then he hopped off, so I'm not going to bring Jimmy in. <laughs> All right, this is why we do the test show, guys. So we're gonna just, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy popped in for a moment and then popped right out. A little bit of stage fright on Jimmy. But uh, all right, let's look at some Orioles stuff. The news this week that I've seen Twitter go crazy about is this Orioles-Maryland Stadium Authority two-year lease extension. So <laughs> there's Orioles Twitter is really scared about this two-year lease, that it means the Orioles are only going to be in Baltimore for two years. Um, how are you guys feeling about this two-year extension? Good? Bad? I feel fine about it. <laughs> I mean... I feel like Orioles fans live in a constant state of fear about the team moving or being sold. I think maybe there this does to me think uh, say that they might be getting sold in the next year or two, but I don't think it means they're moving. There's a five-year option in there. I think with all the COVID stuff going on, the uncertainty with that, they just want to, I don't know, kick the can down the road. All right. I mean, two, two years to me is not, you know, I think we just got done talking about all these different rules that, that, that baseball is trying to implement because of COVID. That's, that's all this is. This is a pandemic two-year lease extension because if, if there was no pandemic, I think this would look a lot different and it would be more long-term. Um, I think the really important thing to, to remember here is that the state of Maryland and the city of Baltimore want the Orioles just as much as the fans want the Orioles. And that's what's going to keep this going for, for the long term. Um, and, and I don't, I, I, I have to just take John Angelos at his word when he says that the Orioles are going to be in Baltimore as long as Fort McHenry is like, that's, you know, that's, 
and, and, until we see otherwise or have reason to believe otherwise, that's what that's what we have to believe, in my opinion. Yeah, and we had a comment uh, over on Facebook where Andrew was saying, "Who owns this team when Peter Angelos passes?" And I think it hasn't they already haven't they already handled that that the two sons are going to step up and run it. As far they as local groups, been. there's been rumors, but it's really just been the sons handling things. Right, and there there's a direct connection, I think. We can draw this connection between John and Lou having more control of the team, and then John and Lou, in turn, handing more control to Mike Elias and less involvement with ownership just in general, which also, I think, leads to these rumors that maybe they're thinking about selling the team because it wasn't John and Lou who bought the team. It was it was Peter Angelos who bought the team who was so heavily invested in, in the team. And Josh, I take issue with the premise of your question about scared fans on Twitter, as if Baltimore sports fans don't have a reason to be scared all the time about their sports teams. I mean, I think we have every right, with all the rumors going on in our history, I think we have every right to be skeptical and nervous and not trusting um, well, I, of I, our ownership group. Yeah, I saw someone comment uh to someone saying the Orioles will never leave, saying, well, just look at what happened in 83, which is a bad comparison because the Orioles won in 83. Yeah, the Colts left, but you can't use that for the Orioles because they won it all in 83. This this is also a longer conversation that we're not going to have time to get into tonight, but I, I have no reason to believe that the Angelos Suns are preparing to sell. I know there's like a lot of things that are lurking and yeah. rumors that are circulating and things that you can read into, like the fact that they've cut payroll so much and are potentially trying to set the, the team up for a sale. But there's been nothing concrete to believe that they don't want to run the team. And and Matt, you mentioned like them potentially stepping back. I think they're going to step back, but more into the business side of the team, less into right. the baseball right. operations side. And I think you're True. exactly right. They want a and guy like Mike Elias to run the baseball side of it. Yeah, yeah, and they, remember, they want to set up concerts uh, throughout the year to run, uh, make money at Camden Yards. Right. Remember, exactly right. remember, all these moves that they make, that a business makes when they're getting ready to sell, it's the same moves a business makes when they're losing a whole bunch of money because no one's buying their product. Right. They, we, we had a year of no fans. We're projected to have another year of at least less fans. Um, so you would make the same type of financial adjustments and changes to get ready and prepare yourselves for the future. Yeah, and the, if you have no reason to think you're going to win anything anyway. so Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the, the low payroll thing, because why why not lose with a $40 million payroll as opposed to losing with a $100 million payroll? But there's, the thing that's confusing is the money I, I, I don't understand, right? Because then you hear stories about them laying off a bunch of people or trying to d- defer arbitration salaries. Then the next day they signed Freddie Galvis and they're spending a ton of money internationally. So it's like the finances are are tricky. What's happening there? Right. There's right. A, there's a lot going on throughout the game, but there's a lot of weird stuff going on with the Orioles. Like you mentioned, the the deferred arbitration thing was weird. But the the bigger kind of cloud hanging all over this that no one really wants to like fully recognize how unique it is is the Masson thing. And that's again, it's like a whole other barn door to open, but. That is the biggest thing hovering over the, the 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 business side and the money side of this franchise right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I keep wondering. Yeah, and there's something about wanting to do it yourself and own it yourself, but it sure seems like why not sell the rights to the team for the TV rights? It seems like there's so many streaming services that want to get into live sports. It's it's an opportunity for the Orioles 
to kind of say, all right, here nationals, here's a bunch of money. <laughs> Let's just take this other money and again allow them to focus on the business side instead of running a TV network and a baseball team at the same time. Well, and all that math and stuff was going to be settled back in 2012 or something, right? And here we're still right. talking about it. That thing is going on forever. It's every year. It's the same conversation. The Orioles owe the Nationals a bunch of money. Major League Baseball doesn't like Baltimore and the Orioles because of it. I mean, when, when was the whole talk about the All-Star game? And then, oh, the Orioles aren't going to get the All-Star game because of the Masson dispute? That was like five years ago. So Yeah, it'll never end. Yeah, and um, Andrew's asking about taxes and stuff when they uh, – when the he for him to hand it down to his sons, I don't know how many of that works. Rich people all have that figured out with trusts and everything, so I'm sure they'll figure that out. But you're right, the Masson and the firing everyone of Masson, cutting pre and post game shows. I mean, it was that extra motivation for us to do this, which is good for all of us, and we like this. But it sucks for the fans to have less product on a TV channel. Yeah. Well, and it, not only that, but they've seeded so much. You know. I mean, part of the reason the Masson deal was made is because they were ceding territory and rights territory to the Nationals. So that's the reason that the Orioles got such a sweetheart deal with with Major League Baseball to allow that move to happen. So why would you, you know, why would you give up what you've already been, you know, granted in that deal? Like, there's no there's no motivation for the Orioles to do that. Right, Jimmy, you work you uh, got the technical stuff worked out now. You know, I'm still getting an echo, so I'm not quite sure. Can I? Am I coming out to you guys or no? We can hear you fine. Why don't you introduce yourself and then give us your thoughts on what's going on with this whole Orioles ownership thing? All right. So uh, I'm Jimmy. I'm the host of uh, co-host of Bleacher Birds alongside Matt. Uh, not that Matt, but the other Matt. Uh, <clears throat> anywho, as far as the uh, as far as the Masson or the uh, the Camden Yards deal. Uh, I don't necessarily know that it's a COVID deal. Say, so I think it's uh, I think it's just a band-aid up until we go ahead and find somebody to sell the team to, and hopefully it's somebody local. Say, so I'm one of those people that thinks that it's a good thing that the deal got done, and it can potentially be extended. But uh, you know, again, I just think it's a band-aid until the Angelosas can sell the team. All right. Well, Cody is wondering who your ideal new owner is. Uh, he's asking Me. about Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy passed away a few years ago. So I don't Quite think he will be the like owner. Eight, like eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's been a while. So I know books last forever, but he is dead. Um, <laughs> Thanks, I, Yeah, I don't know if that is. <laughs> there's got to be a better way to say that. But um, I don't. I hate this question. We don't even we, know if they're selling the team. We don't know if they're selling the team. We don't know who would buy the team. It doesn't need to be a local guy to buy the team. Uh, the Mets got a new owner. Everyone loved the new owner and was excited until the Robin Hood thing. So it's kind of who cares who owns the team. They'll love him again in, in a few weeks. They'll love him so, again. Yeah, yeah, once he signs another free agent, they'll love well, him. Well, not only not only that, but the first GM he hired was then had to be yeah. fired days later <laughs> oh, good because, point. Of a, yes. because of a sexual harassment thing. So yeah. like, forgot about that one. None of it's good. I mean, right. so it doesn't matter. I mean, we all like Bashadi as the owner of the Ravens. It's rare that you get an owner that you like. We yeah, all know he's already come out and said that he's not interested. Right. Well, it's also everyone. No one's interested now because it's not for sale. So you've got that going. But this is the fans in Baltimore love to talk about this and moving on from Peter Angelos. Instead of realizing in all those good years that we enjoyed 2012 on, 
That was Peter Angelos also as the owner. So your owner doesn't affect always how your team is. Now, you want to bring up the Chris Davis contract? That's Peter Angelos. Yeah, but to your point, so was 96 and 97. That was under Peter Angelos. Like, you know, the, there there have been good times and there have been really, really, really dark times under under this ownership group. But, I mean, the, you know, the... <laughs> The thing about like the Angelos, I hate I hate to use the word regime because it sounds so like you know kingly, but right. I mean the thing Dynasty. about this owner, yeah, that, like that's not what I'm trying <laughs> to, to, to to present. But the 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 two Angelos sons have no reason or motivation to sell the team. They can run the team like it's been being run and continue the the family legacy. I mean, I, I, the Angelos family in Baltimore is you know, a big deal, but they're a really big deal because they own the Orioles. What, like what motivation do they have to sell the team just because fans don't like the way it's been run for 30 years. Right. Their motivation to sell the team would be if they're not making money. It's a right. And they're, and they're doing that still. And they will be because everyone is. Yes. And the value of baseball teams aren't going down. They will continue to go up. Exactly. And again, new ownership, even if they do decide to sell, the team's not leaving Baltimore. You can you can have an owner that isn't ingrained in the city, like you were oh. saying. Yeah. Okay, Josh, I'm gonna quote you on that one. I got I got the audio of that. Um, okay. You've probably had me say it multiple times on Section 336. Okay. I'm good with saying the Orioles. I, I'll I'll stick. I'll double down on uh, Angelos's quote. As long as Fort McHenry's in Baltimore. All right. Fine. What else you got, Josh? All right. Orioles have made a bunch of transactions, but we we've, we've gone really long with the. Uh, with the Ma- with the Masson Orioles Stadium stuff, so I'm gonna save pictures and people we've signed and stuff. We can all talk about that on our individual podcast. But the Frederick Keys announced today their new schedule. Remember, the Frederick Keys are no longer part of the Orioles minor league system. They're now part of this whole draft league of prospects. So my question for all of you is: Do you care any more about the Keys? Unfortunately not. I mean, maybe if I lived in Frederick, you know, I'd go to a game just to support the stadium. But as uh, someone who just follows minor leagues for the Orioles, unfortunately, Aberdeen has taken their spot in my heart. Yeah, Yeah. I've been to a few Frederick games, uh, love watching Orioles there. But as far as I'm concerned, uh, I unfollowed them on Twitter. So that's how I feel about it. (laughs) Oh, you cut them off fast. That's how you know it's real is when when you hit the unfollow button. Yeah, that's, I like, wonder, that's like making it Facebook official or something. <laughs> right. I'm interested to see how this affects like fans that live in Frederick. Do they still come out and support and shake their keys and all that? I mean, I would, I'd make the drive occasionally to go see the keys, but it's because I wanted to see Manny Machado or some upcoming superstar. Or, or get a Dylan Bundy. Gundy, oh, the golden, the golden <laughs> Bundy. Yeah, like the keys can't do Orioles-related giveaways anymore. I'm not going to drive there to get my Iron Man-y. Um, Iron Manny Machado. So you're right. And all that type of stuff. So I'm interested to see if the keys are relevant or if this ends up being a little short holdover like for MLB to try to not be completely the bad guys. I hope so. I hope people come out and watch. Yeah, yeah me who's, too. Who's going to be on the roster? So, I mean, obviously the Frederick keys aren't going to be made up of the previous keys now. And did they no, ever figure gonna... out what happened with that roster? Uh, yeah, that roster, I mean, the sad part about this is 
baseball teams are going to cut a lot of minor or have already cut a bunch of minor league players to try to balance this out because they'll be holding one less minor league team. And it's going to be a bunch of players who are not on teams to play there to try to earn their spot on the team or try to get the attention, get ready for the draft is how I, I understand it works, right? Yeah, it'll be the college right? draft league. Yeah, yeah, the MLB draft league. So they'll yeah. basically be like a tryout place for uh, people, for players who want to try to get in the, get drafted by a team. They can get some action in there, get some looks from scouts. And and Bob, is this right that the the high A goes to Aberdeen and Delmarva stays as the low A team? Is that is that how yeah, that that's breaks right. down? That's okay. right, and that's good for me. I live pretty close to Ironbird Stadium, so just upgraded. And so, but for Aberdeen, that that's where players who were recently drafted would often go play there in in short season ball. What happens to those guys now? I'm assuming they'll probably just go to the GCL for a little bit and then maybe go up to Del- Delmarva a little bit later in the season if they're ready for that. Right. Okay. All right, guys. Well, I think that covers kind of the news of yesterday and today in baseball and Baltimore-related baseball. So uh, let's go around. Give, every, give plugs for your sites again. Section 336 for me and Matt. Check out Bleacher's Bird podcast for Jimmy. Andrew, you can read his stuff over on Utah Street Report. And Bob, you've got the On the Verge podcast over at Baltimore Sports and Life. All right, guys, thanks for uh, being a part of Birdland tonight. We are going to try to do this more often during the offseason as we lead up. And again, starting April 1st, after every game, you'll see discussions like this over on birdlandtonight.com. And on all your social sites, check out Birdland Sports and go subscribe and like so that you get to turn on the notifications for all those so you can check us out. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.